paths in life. Many roads to choose from. But only one of them leads to eternal life. Jesus offers a new way and invites us along to welcome others, to live with integrity, to share the good news that he alone is the way, the truth, and the life. If you have him, you have all you need. There is no other way. Hey, we've been walking through the Sermon on the Mount together as Jesus introduced a new way. He, he actually took what the folks of that day understood in their terms of religion and relationship to God, and he basically flipped it all upside down. He said over and over through the sermon, you have heard it said, but I say to you. He demonstrated over and over how they had begun to focus on externals, on the way things looked, on what people thought about what they were doing. And he showed them in many ways throughout the sermon, it's not about the way things look and what people think about what you're doing. It's about who you are on the inside and how you relate to God directly, individually, and personally. That is the, kind of the heart of the, the sermon. And so we come today to chapter 7. I want to invite your attention to chapter Matthew chapter 7 as we think together about the way beyond judgmentalism. Before we get started, a little bit of trivia. What do you think is the most quoted Bible verse? John 3.16. Good answer, but it's quickly becoming the wrong answer. Many commentators say that John 3.16 is no longer the most quoted verse in our culture. Now the most quoted verse is Matthew 7.1. Judge not, lest ye be judged. We hear that all the time. Judge not, lest ye be judged. Means I can do anything I want to do and you can't tell me right from wrong. And see, when we take the verse out of context and we use it all by itself and when we misunderstand the word judge... That verse gets thrown around all over the place, misused, and it can lead to some major problems. If we live in a, in, a, in a society in which we cannot say wrong is wrong, where does that stop? How far does that society go? Don't you eventually reach a point where things get so bad, the culture has to finally say, hey, there is morality, there are ethics, there is something wrong here, and then by then it's too late. So we, we want to look at what did Jesus really mean when he said, judge not lest you be judged. He could not obviously have been saying, everybody is always right. He couldn't have been saying, now there are no ethics or morals. You do what you do because you are you. It just doesn't fit. So let's look at it. In order to accurately interpret what he meant. 
I think that it helps for us to first understand and look clearly at what he did not mean. And so we, we kind of have to start there. He's not saying that we should stop calling sin, sin. He's not saying that we should overlook evil. He's not saying that we have to throw out morality so everyone can be themselves. He's also not saying that in order to be kind, we can no longer use discernment or evaluate character. We know that he can't be saying those things because it doesn't fit the rest of Scripture. Romans chapter 16 tells us to watch out for those who cause division in the church. How do we keep Romans 16 if we're not supposed to evaluate character and call wrong wrong he says watch out for those who cause division in the church in first john 4 we are taught to try the spirits to see which ones are of god and which ones are not in hebrews 5 we're taught that spiritual maturity will result in the ability to discern good from evil matthew 18 says that if a brother is out of god's will go to him and get it straight how would you know that if we didn't have discernment, evaluate character. Matthew 7, 1, he says, judge not. He is not saying, pretend that everything's okay and everybody's all right. What he is saying is, stop condemning others as if you have the authority of final judgment. We've lost something in the translation. This is, I see you doing something and I'm telling you to stop it. It's not, it's not avoid it. It's you're already doing something. Stop that. He says, judge not. He means, he's saying to the folks, stop thinking that you're an authority over someone and can condemn them. You see, that's what the Pharisees were all about at that time. They were all about, look at how, how we do. Watch us. We'll show you the right way, and we'll tell you when you're wrong. There was a lot of finger pointing, a lot of final kind of condemnation. This is the word that might be used when a, a judge makes a final decision and the gavel comes down. It's done. This is not character evaluation, discernment, understanding right from wrong. So he says, stop judging with condemnation. Let's look at what he, let's break that down and learn what he means. First, he says, don't play judge. Judge not, or other words, stop judging that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, will be measured to you. If you condemn someone as if you're in authority, then you can assume that you too might experience that condemnation. If you, however, use a judgment that is based on discernment, right from wrong, character, then you should assume that that's the kind of judgment you will receive. Fair, honest, ongoing, evaluative judgment. 
a small town prosecuting attorney called his first witness to the stand in a trial. Remember, it's a small town. This grandmotherly, elderly woman took the stand and he said to her, Mrs. Jones, do you know me? Well, she said, of course I know you, Mr. Williams. I've known you since you were a young boy. And frankly, you've been a big disappointment to me. (laughs) You lie, you cheat on your wife, you manipulate people, you talk about them behind their backs. You think you're raising, you think you're a rising big shot. You haven't even got the brains to realize you'll never amount to anything more than a two-bit paper pusher. Yeah, I know you. The lawyer was stunned. Not knowing what else to do, he pointed across the room. He said, Mrs. Williams, do you know the defense attorney? She said, well, yes, I do. I've known Mr. Bradley since he was a youngster, too. I used to babysit him for his parents. And he, too, has been a real disappointment to me. He's lazy and bigoted. He's got a drinking problem. The man can't, uh, can't build a normal relationship with anyone. His law practice is one of the shoddiest in the entire state. Yes, I know him. At this point, the judge wrapped the courtroom to silence, called both counselors to the bench, and in very quiet voice, he said, if either of you ask her if she knows me, you'll be jailed for contempt. (laughs) So Jesus says, you better be careful what kind of judgment you pass out. Don't play judge. Why? If we had time, we could go through Scripture and there'd be many reasons, but let me just give you three really quickly. Don't play judge because, one, we usually do it wrong. We usually do it wrong because we can never be totally objective. We're too dependent on labels. It's really easy for me to say, oh, you're a conservative, you're a liberal. You're, well, you know, once I've got you pegged, then I know who you are and I know how you think and I know... We use labels too quickly. We, uh, we're, we're not... We do it wrong. We, we jump to conclusions. We make assumptions about motives. Once I figure you out, I've, I know why you do what you do. We talk and spread slander too easy. We tear others down so we feel higher. We do it wrong. So that's why we don't want to do it. We also do it wrong because we're not qualified for the position. We're not qualified. We can't be totally objective. We can't know all the facts. Chuck Swindoll told about uh, being at a pastor's conference one time where he was going to be speaking And the first day, there was a man that came up to him and he said, Dr. Swindoll, I've been listening to you for years. I am looking forward to hearing you. I've been looking forward to meeting you. I'm so excited to be here. I just can't wait to hear you speak. That evening, Swindoll noticed that while he was preaching, the man was fast asleep in the pew. So when Dahl thought to him, well, you know, he, it's been a long day, he's tired, and maybe he had a hard day, it's, it's, he, he didn't think anything about it. But then they came the next night, and the man was asleep again. And the next night, every time Swindoll preached, the man who couldn't wait to hear him slept through it. On the last night, the man's wife came up and apologized for her husband's 
sleeping through the messages. And she said that he had recently been diagnosed as having terminal cancer and the medication that he was taking to ease the pain made him extremely sleepy. But it had been one of his lifelong ambitions to hear Dr. Swindoll so he wouldn't miss an evening. Charles said he understood that we don't make good judges because we're not qualified for the position because we don't know everything. Besides that, don't play judge because the job's already taken and you didn't get it. The righteous judge is already in charge. He's going to make sure things come out right. James chapter 5 and verse 9 tells us, do not grumble against each other, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge, capital J, the judge is standing at the door. In other words, you're not a judge. He is the judge. The job is already taken. So he says to us in chapter 7, verses 1 and 2, don't play judge. And then he goes on to say, be willing to examine yourself first. You see, as he continues in verse 3, why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Isn't that amazing? He's using hyperbole, obviously. He's using an exaggeration to make his point. But isn't that crazy? As soon as we see that picture, here's this guy and, and And he's looking at somebody else to get that little speck, a little speck. Now, this would not be dust. This is a word that means something more like splinter. This is a a wood, a little chunk of wood. And and here's a guy who's, who's looking close at his neighbor so much that he can see that little speck in the neighbor's eye. And all the time, he's got a telephone pole sticking out of his own. How can that be? Isn't that so silly? Well, that's kind of the point. Jesus is making. Yes, it's silly. And it's also silly when you and I look past our own faults to look at somebody else's speck in their eye. It is silly. That's kind of the point. And so he says, how about you do this? How about you take care of that telephone pole that's sticking out of your own eye first? And then you can help your brother with that little speck in his. I did think it's interesting that the log and the speck are made out of the same thing. You ever notice how most of the time when we're judging someone else, most of the time it's because we're sensitive to that issue because we already deal with it ourselves. Ruth Knowlton used to tell a story about when she would get up every morning and have her cup of coffee. Her apartment was real close to the lady, to, to the next apartment. She could look out of her window and into the window next door. And she would have her breakfast and look through that window and there would be that lady over there in the other apartment. And Ruth said that over time she noticed that lady's windows just kept getting dirtier and dirtier. And she'd sip her coffee and she, she could barely look through the, it got to where she could barely see through the window to spy on her neighbor. Well, eventually, one of these days, Ruth was outside and cleaning and 
she cleaned her windows and whatever, and she went in and had her cup of coffee, and all of a sudden, that lady's windows next door were clean. She realized it was her own window that had been dirty the whole time. So often, I think that's our problem. We're looking through our own mess, trying to look down on somebody else. And so he says, you know, don't play judge. Be willing to examine yourself first. And then he says we can help others without hypocrisy. Remember, we're doing things in order. We're going to be, we're going to examine self first. Then in order, we'll be ready to help others without hypocrisy. Look at verse 4. How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your eye. Then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. There's something to be said for helping another get his life straightened out. That's where that discernment comes in. There is a biblical judgment that we are to have. Notice he says you're going to be able to help him get the speck out of his eye. That means we have to be able to judge the speck shouldn't be there. But the goal is to judge in order to help, not hurt. See, he... He, he says that, that, you can, that you can help take the speck out, not point the speck out. It's one thing to say, you got a problem. It's another thing to say, I see a problem. Can I help you? So you take the log out, recognizing that your mess affects your vision. And then you're ready to help your brother with whatever the speck is, with whatever the problem is that he's facing. Tony Evans compares the difference between critical judgment and charitable judgment. Critical judgment says, you're a rotten, no good, sorry, because you got a speck. Charitable judgment says, I see you have a speck. I used to have a log. Can I help you? There's a farmer that got mad at some kids because they kept getting in his watermelon patch. So to teach him a lesson, he posted a sign. The new sign said, one of these watermelons has been poisoned. Next day he went outside and he saw that they had placed a sign as well. The new sign said, now two of these watermelons have been poisoned. What goes around comes around. Jesus says, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. Critical judgment puts you in a position where the righteous judge will need to judge you critically. Charitable judgment puts you in a position where the righteous judge can judge you charitably. Which takes us to the fourth thing that we learn, and that is don't neglect discernment. He says in verse 6, Do not give dogs what is holy. Do not throw your pearls to the pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Don't put too much into that. He, don't, 
Don't try to twist and figure out that dogs mean Gentiles and this. He's simply saying it would be stupid to give your beautifully grilled ribeye steak to the dog. The dog doesn't appreciate it. He just knows it's food. It would be stupid for you to take your beautiful pearl necklace and give it to the pig to play with. The pig doesn't understand the value of pearls. He's simply saying, use discernment. Use discernment. And that is one of the keys. That is the primary key for us to avoid hypocritical judgment and yet be able and willing to practice charitable judgment where I'm going to trust those who deserve my trust. I'm going to help those who need my help. And I'm going to be wise enough to tell who to trust and who to help. It's the way beyond judgmentalism. Once again, Jesus takes us beyond the externals, what things look like, to the heart of who we are and how we relate to one another and to God. 